Many companies make the mistake of adopting the business as usual approach. Although they may have had great success, eventually the new car smell wears off. Remaining popular in demand or top favorite brand with customers is not easy. So the savvy CEO knows that it's critical to always be evolving and paying attention to external signals. Some of your favorite brands have miscalculated their longevity misjudged market trends, and made assumptions that ultimately killed their business. Will you be like them? I sure hope not. Tune in today and find out what brand killers to avoid, how to keep your company in the front of customers' minds, and how to avoid becoming obsolete. We'll also talk about several headline makers about companies who were once viewed as promising rising stars who experience very real wake-up calls, and how you can avoid the same fate for your company with smart decisions, careful planning, and getting help where you need it. But first, ask yourself two questions. What internal and external forces should I be paying attention to so that I don't become obsolete? And do I have the strategies in place to keep us relevant? Let's talk about it today on this episode of Mogul Chicks Radio. I am Adrian Graham, CEO and founder of Mogul Chicks LLC. We are dedicated to helping women, female founders, women entrepreneurs grow, scale, and become investment ready. I have a very wonderful topic to talk about today. It's something that I've really actually been talking about all week, and it is not easy to talk about. A lot of us don't want to think about our own business mortality, but a lot of things have happened recently in the news and in current history that we have to pay attention. We have to pay attention to it. So let's get down to brass tacks. Um, First, a little bit of show notes. I am going to be doing this show every Friday. We are going to do the first 10 minutes live stream on Facebook Live and then listen to the rest of it on online where you're supposed to. But I started this show a couple of months back and decided to do it as a podcast. As you know, we are expanding out and we're creating the Mobile Chicks Radio Network. And we're going to be having different co-hosts or different hosts to host different shows. Um, I don't want it to be just about my voice. I want you guys to be able to hear other people's voices and other people's opinions. And we're going to be bringing some slamming experts on. So get your pens and pads ready every Friday morning and you're going to learn a lot. Hopefully you'll walk away with a lot. Now, if you're on my mailing list, you would have gotten my email this, uh, this past Monday about not becoming obsolete. And it's been a heavy topic. I did a Facebook live on it on Tuesday. Uh, as I said, I did the newsletter on Monday and I really firmly believe that if you are not paying attention to what's going on in the world or in your industry or in the business, it's going to be hard for you to survive. Even McDonald's has to, has to constantly innovate. I mean, we all think, hey, it's, it's burgers. It's what's so hard or what's so innovative about burgers. It's not just about your product or your service. It is also about how you evolve and grow as a brand and how you how you focus on making sure that you're continuously giving your customers what it is that they need and what it is that they want. You don't want to ever become an obsolete brand. 
in my newsletter and in my uh, Facebook Live, I did talk a lot about some of the things that make brands obsolete, some of the things that you can do to keep from being obsolete. And I'm going to go over some of those things today. I, I think that for the most part, a lot of the brands that struggled or are struggling, and we're going to talk about several of those today, they made crucial mistakes. The first one is they misjudge their longevity. Everybody wants to think they're invincible. They want to think that their brand is the one that has the staying power. They want to think that their brand is the one that has the best chance to be there always for their customers. And that's just simply not true. It's not true. No brand is, you know, a, a staying power. I don't care who it is. Yeah, we do have companies that have been around since the turn of the century or turn of the last century, excuse me. Uh, we've had the Walmart company. We have the different companies that are out there. And then we have the new power companies that have come up in the last decade or so, in this last, century, in this last millennia. So how do you hold on to that? Well, you got to talk about your, your longevity. You have to figure out how you're going to make that last, how you're going to make it work. The next thing that they did was they misjudged the market trends. Ooh, I have one doozy of a story to talk about today. Um, and I'm pretty proud that they're making a comeback, but they went through some serious growing pains because they misjudged and they thought they had a stranglehold on their business model. And then finally, Companies make assumptions that ultimately kill their business. They assume people will always buy what they need. They assume that there will never be any competition. They assume that they will be number one forever. Guess what? Mm -mm. Not true. You've seen many companies in many different industries come and go. Some well-deserving <laughs> of going. Some that stayed the for the long haul. But you, they ultimately made assumptions based on hubris and it ended up killing their companies. It really has. Um, now we all, we all get to feel ourselves. I mean, come on, myself included. We all feel ourselves at a certain point when we, we have a certain level of success. We think we're going to ride this way forever. We think that we've made it. We're here. Nobody can tackle us off the, off the top of the marketplace. Guess what? None of us are invincible. Every brand has weaknesses. Every company has competition. And when you start deluding yourself into believing that you don't, that's when the problems begin. So are you going to be like them or are you ultimately going to be a company that makes strategic moves, power plays, sound decisions? Let's talk about it. I want to talk about the first company that comes to mind. Okay, so you guys know about BlackBerry. Who of us have not have a black, had a BlackBerry? Oh, come on now, Berry. I had a BlackBerry. I loved my BlackBerry. As a matter of fact, I can't lie. I got a pink BlackBerry. And I loved it because of the keyboard functionality. I, I was one of those that resisted the touchscreen. I really did. Yep. Miss Tech herself, Miss iPad toting, smartphone carrying, two smartphone carrying, um, yeah, I wanted the keypad back. So I fought it a long time. And even before when BlackBerry came out with their playbook, which is a knockoff, excuse the terminology, BlackBerry don't send your goons after me, but it was like a, a knockoff of the iPad. I really seriously considered getting it. The one thing that kept me from getting it was the fact that I couldn't use other devices to sync with it. 
and I had to have BlackBerry. By that time, I had moved on to Android, but it really bothered me that I wasn't able to sync everything together. And I think that was one of the biggest mistakes that they made, the biggest technical mistakes that they made. They didn't make it adaptable. So BlackBerry is in the news today. They're making a comeback as a software company. They have taken their hits. They've taken the jokes and people have burnt them in effigy and, you know, all that stuff. But BlackBerry didn't just go slink away. You know, the Canadian-based company really had to figure out where they stood in the marketplace. They had to figure out what it was that they could do to come back. Apple already blew out the tablet market and the iPhone with the iPhone and with the smartphone market. Android is right there neck and neck with it. You know, I think Android is kind of like the Samsung, let's just be real. The new iPhone, and this is not a dig on iPhone. I love Apple products. Don't say you're goons after me. But I think they did a rehash of like two previous versions of the Android, of the Samsung, excuse me. And now Google is getting into the fray. If you've seen those commercials, I saw them as early as recently as this morning, that they have a new company, a new, a new phone coming out. BlackBerry did a lot of wrong things. Number one, they focused on everybody uses us. We have the market in the corporate world. We cornered it. Nobody's ever leaving us. We're like Windows. We're like the Windows of smartphones. Guess what? Even Windows got some competition because then what happened? Open source started coming. Google Docs started coming and all these other things started coming. I'm sorry, they overplayed their hand. They thought that their dominance in the marketplace was going to keep them on the top of the heap. It did not. The next thing they did is they refused to design a phone that was conducive to the way technology was going, that the direction smartphones were heading in. And then by the time they did redesign the phone, it was like, oh, hey, yay. Okay, no, we don't want that. For those of you who are watching on Facebook Live, we're going to shut it down now. If you want to listen, go over to the blogtalkradio.com slash mobile chicks and finish listening to the show there. As I was saying, so we focused on, we focused on what they did wrong. They didn't, they didn't stay up on the latest advancements in technology. They didn't pay attention to where the trend was going. They didn't pay attention to what their customers were asking for. You know, bright, shiny objects aren't always a bad thing. We always warn you to stay away from the bright, shiny objects and focus on what you do best. However, there are times when you have to pay attention to why is this bright, shiny object attracting all these people? Well, under the new leadership, it is actually making a comeback. They're tur- they turn themselves into, they rebranded themselves into a software company that they're focusing on, guess what? Security. Brilliant move. Now, I don't know what's going to happen as far as the revenue and if they're going to, you know, they, they beat their numbers this last quarter, but I mean, that's not enough time for me to, to really judge it. And I'm not an analyst. I'm not. But the thing that I did realize was that they looked and they saw where everyone else was moving into. They saw what areas had some, some room to get into. They see what we're going through as far as the United States and and pretty much the world as far as these um, cyber attacks and and security attacks, and they decided to focus on security. How awesome is that? Okay, brilliant, brilliant move, in my opinion. So it was really a good move on, on CEO John Chen to really decide to say, okay, where can we get back into the market and make the biggest splash? 
That's what you need to be doing. If you feel like your brand is falling behind, it's lackluster, or you have things that are going on that's, you know, competition is kicking your butt, look, pivot, adjust, and get into the areas where you see there is some room for improvement. I am so happy that they've they've done that because they have actually signed um, their first licensing deal with a company called NTD. And what it is, is BlackBerry Secure. It's a device licensing deal. And they signed this deal to develop the devices that will be branded and carrier by carriers and local smartphone brands and marketed as the BlackBerry Secure due to the use of the what? The BlackBerry Security Software. What? Who else is doing it? I don't see Android doing that. At least I didn't hear of it. I didn't see iOS, Apple doing that. At least I didn't hear about it. But this is brilliant. They got kicked down. They got beat down. And look what they did. They reinvented themselves. And I ain't mad at them. Let's move on to another company that actually did have the same kind of experience, but they were not able to come back. I talked a lot about Blockbuster when I did my Facebook Live the other day. And with Blockbuster, they didn't see the writing on the wall, or they thought they did. But their, again, hubris had them to the point where they focused on, okay, you know what? Yeah, people want DVDs now. Let's move up and get DVDs. But they did not see the technology revolution coming to kick their asses. It was just like, a brutal attack on Blockbuster. They had so many, remember back in the day, oh God, it wasn't even that long ago. Remember back in the day where you could just go to Blockbuster, rent a couple of of videos. They got the snack counters like at the movies and you can rent movies and have a day in or night in or or, or our old school version of Netflix and chill. Well, not necessarily. Well, yeah, kind of, I guess. Well, if you're family, this is a family friendly, friendly show. Um, but how people stay in and, and, and watch movies, they stream now. But they didn't pay attention. Number one, they got beat out because Netflix came up with a better way. Why make people leave their homes to go get videos? Who wants to go out if it's raining or snowing? God forbid if you live up in like the East Coast or the North or whatever, or the Midwest, and it's, it's storming out there. Nobody wants to go out there in the weather and rent videos and then have to worry about rushing to get them back. So that was their mistake right there. They didn't talk, take into account consumer laziness. Yeah, I call it like I see it. I call it for what it is, consumer laziness. Because we as a society want everything instant. We want everything handed to us, gift wrapped, packaged, and delivered to us. We do. Don't act like we don't. We do. Look at now with the drone service and look at how Amazon Fresh and Amazon delivers and this one delivers and Uber Eats and all this other. Come on. But back to my point. Blockbuster didn't see the fact that people were not wanting to leave the house. So Netflix gave them an alternative. Rent the DVDs from us and return them, drop them in the mail. We don't have any late fees. And then they moved on. Now, Netflix wasn't infallible. They had their almost downfall too, but I'm just using Blockbuster as an example to see, to show you how, how far it could go. With Netflix, they started dominating because people said, oh yeah, we don't have to leave. Then they started the membership program where you subscribe, you get X amount of DVDs a month or, or videos, whatever. And then something happened. And when Hulu came along, 
It was crazy. It was crazy because Hulu allowed people to start streaming. And then Netflix, they started panicking. And they realized that at a certain point, their market share was falling dramatically and they had to adjust and adapt. And that's exactly what they did. They decided to start implementing what? Streaming services. And was, there's a bunch of competition out there. Because even look at, look at Amazon. Amazon turned into a streaming. We, we watch Amazon Prime all day long, Amazon videos all day long. But ultimately, all of this advancement did away with Blockbuster. It became obsolete for them to have all these different stores, which I honestly, if they had adopted these streaming and, and the membership model, and well, they did membership, but not like Netflix, but all of this other stuff, if they had done this and paid attention to how the trend was moving, I think they could have, couple, could have, could have kept a couple of flagship stores, made the customer experience, and then been able to survive with these other elements with fewer stores, but they're gone. It's too late. Oh, well, hopefully someone will think about bringing the, the, the Netflix experience to a live experience. Hint, hint, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, Google, all of you, Apple TV, all of you. So that's, that's an example of a company that was not able to pivot and come back. And we don't want you to be the same way. Now, let me give you an example. Um, I always like to give you guys real life examples of companies that I've worked with or brands that I know about or things that you could relate to. So let me talk about one of my uh, past customers that I had. One of my past customers, she had a salon. She was a stylist, a um, licensed stylist, licensed cosmetologist, and her storefronts weren't doing very well. And she was on the verge of closing. And I told her, I said, well, at this point, you have to start thinking about the different things that make sense for your brand. You have to do the different things, figure out different things that will address your different levels of customers. And if you're in my Mobile Chicks Academy, you know what those level of customers are. I'm not going to put that out here because it's not necessary. But those of you who are in the Academy or were in the Academy, you already know what I'm talking about. But you got to address it. You have to figure it out. So what she did was we sat down, we brainstormed. I had an advisory day with her and we came up with different things. First of all, she had these, these techniques that she had started mastering and started teaching her own stylist to use. And they were able to bring her additional money. One of them were, was micro-grading. And it was able to bring her in a whole other revenue. So we killed two birds with one stone. She introduced new services that were related to what customers were looking for. And then she developed a training and techniques program where she was able to train people in her method, not only in her store, but stylists from around the country who wanted to come and learn how to do what she did. So she introduced training techniques. The next thing she did was we took the, we, okay, with the, with the salon model, stylists come in, they rent a chair. But what we did was we took it one step further and built out, helped her build out or, or helped her plan the build out of a co-working space for salon professionals, not just to have chairs, but to have training space, to have meeting space, to have private consultation rooms, to have rent out for other events and other stylists and other people to use. So she took a page out of the co-working space and just adapted it to the hair industry. Brilliant, brilliant move. She did some JVs with some product partners, with some hair partners, and she started killing it, bringing in extra money. She also decided to do private advisory, privately advising other salons, 
on how to build and scale. Once she, once she, now that wasn't immediate. That was once she learned how to kind of pivot on her own. And now she's working on a product line and she's working on a mobile service, which will be like an on-demand, on-call uh, kind of service that she's going to be doing. She's also um, has in the works, and I can't really talk too much about this because she's still like with an attorney working on this, a turnkey system, a licensing system that she can do. And she's considering in 2018 or 2019 doing these retreats or these events just for stylists and, and salon owners. So I just showed you eight different ways that she increased her revenue and also diversified her brand from going to being just a stylist and a salon owner to running a what? A company. That's what I'm talking about, ladies. You have to create different revenue streams. You have to create your legacy. You have to create a company. This is a business. This has layers to it. It's not business as usual. And those of you who are content with, well, this has always worked for me, or this is what I've always done in life. You will always forever be missing the boat. You will miss out on opportunities or you will be scrambling. You'll be running to catch up with the people who get it and execute before you do. Now, I'm not saying you have to go and create multiple revenue lines. Yeah, I kind of am. But you don't have to like introduce a bunch of products and stuff. And as a matter of fact, I am doing a mastery class. It's a four-part mastery class that I'm doing in December that teaches you how to add additional revenue streams. And I can guarantee you that I will find and help you implement three revenue streams in your company, in your business, in your revenue model that does not include coaching programs. It does not include affiliate programs and it does not include info products. Ladies, I don't down people who do these things. I have tremendous respect for some coaches, but come on, you want to be different. You want to, you want to stand out from the crowd. You don't want to do what everybody else is doing. Come on, put them innovation hats on. You guys are moguls. You are mogul chicks. Mogul chicks make mogul moves and power plays. So dig deeper. That's what my, my mobile chicks, my members in my class, my classes, <laughs> they know I say dig deeper. So I talked uh, before on my Facebook live about three reasons companies and brands and products become obsolete. So I'm just going to throw those out there for you now in case you didn't see it. And if you didn't see it, go to facebook.com slash mobile chicks and catch us on Tuesdays. Catch me on Tuesdays as I do my Facebook lives. But the three reasons are function, the usefulness has run out. It doesn't work anymore. It's not used anymore. It's not desirable anymore. It, it's not, it doesn't work for what people are looking to do. Second thing was people move on. There's a lack of interest. Uh, new competitors build a better, bigger, better mousetrap. So people lose interest. So they haven't pivoted to stay interested. Hint, hint, Blackberry and uh, Blockbuster. And three, uh, regulatory changes. You know, the government can come in at any time and make any changes to any regulation and any new legislation can be introduced at any time. So you need to understand what's going on when the new rules apply. And those of you who watch Bill Maher, it's kind of an inside joke. He goes, new rules, and he talk about crazy stuff. But no, new rules do happen. So you got to stay on top of that and make sure that you're covering all your bases. It matters that you pay attention. It matters that you don't get so comfortable and so stuck in what you're doing. And I know some people say McDonald's is simple. It's, it's hamburgers, happy meals and hamburgers, ham, ha, happy meals and Big Macs. What, what's the secret in that? Well, McDonald's, I have, you know, is paying attention. 
not only do they have big burgers and Big Macs and, and Happy Meals, but they've diversified their menu. Even the breakfast menu, they've diversified, diversified it. They have kiosks now. They're paying attention to technology and how it plays a role in how we live our lives. They have kiosks now in the store, so you don't have to wait online. You go in, you order, and that's it. They have apps that you can order your food online and have it ready for when you pick it up. They have Uber East relationships where you can order online and have an Uber driver deliver it to you. They're paying attention to how people, how customers do business, how they transact business, how they consume information, how they purchase. You need to be paying attention as well. McDonald's also makes it so that they still have a little bit element of the old school. They still have 24-hour retail um, open store locations. They still have drive-throughs because some people, maybe they don't want to use a phone. Maybe they don't want to use technology. Maybe they just want to drive in. Maybe they just want to take their children to go play in the McDonald's playground and have Happy Meals old school. So always be paying attention to what's going on around you, what trends are out there, what directions your industry and your customers are headed in and stay with the curve. Don't get left behind. I'm telling you, look at companies that have been, that have been left behind. So another thing I really want to talk about that I forgot to touch on real quick that I want to give props and kudos to is Ikea. In case you haven't noticed, um, well, everybody knows what Ikea is. Everybody loves shopping there. Everybody just doesn't love building the stuff from scratch, okay, or putting the furniture together. Well, they made a bold power move this week and announced that they have acquired TaskRabbit. For those of you who don't know, first of all, TaskRabbit was founded by a woman. It's run by a woman of color. It is owned by a woman, and it is a tech company that is poised to be the next unicorn. I hate that word, but they bought that. And what TaskRabbit does is it's kind of like the Craigslist of doing odd jobs, like Uber meets Craigslist kind of thing, where you can find experts to do any kind of task you need them to do. Well, this was a power move for Ikea because guess what? We walk into Ikea, we start complaining, man, I don't want to put this thing together. I don't want to put this bunk bed together. Now I have to call my cousin Willie to put this together. I have to sit down and watch YouTube to figure it out. Well, guess what? TaskRabbit allows you to, with the push of a button on an app, find someone to do a job, an odd job for you. How brilliant of a move was that? Brilliant, I tell you. They have changed the game forever. If Lowe's and Home Depot would have been smart and done that, do you know how iconic those stores would be right now? I'm telling you guys, acquisition is a beautiful thing when it makes sense. And that's something I'm going to be talking about in my um, revenue mastery class in December as well. I'll be making announcements about that soon. So watch this space, listen to this space and watch my social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, LinkedIn, and Google plus. So that's really what I wanted to talk to talk to you about today. I wanted to kind of drive the point home. For those of you who don't know, we have Mogul Chicks Academy. If you want to learn how to grow and scale your company, dig deeper and build a solid company that builds wealth and a long lasting generational legacy, you can pass down to your children, like the Walmart company, like, like Sears, like all of those big time, big name companies, Johnson and Johnson, sign up for Mogul Chicks Academy. MogulChicksAcademy.com. You can register. We start October 25th. So stay tuned and watch that. Also, if you have not gotten a copy of the latest Mogul Chicks magazine, 
What's wrong with you? Go to mogulchicksmagazine.com and get the latest issue. We'll be coming out with the next issue in November. So make sure you check out that first issue. It's really, really informative. And of course, tune in here, facebook.com slash mogulchicks. Catch us live on Tuesdays. Follow me at Talent Diva on Twitter or Mogul Chicks across the board and all social media. And if you need some guidance or advice, sign up at mogulchicks.com. I can help you with that. And be sure to join our membership. But if you're looking to host a radio show, we're always looking for hosts. Contact us for hosting packages and let's get this party started. So with that said, get out there, build your companies, build your legacies, and I would love to hear your feedback. Send me email at info at mogulchicks.com or tweet me at Talent Diva and let me know what you're thinking or send me an email at info at mogulchicks.com. I am Adrian Graham, your host, and I will see you next week. Same mogul time, same mogul station. Have, the, have a good weekend, guys. Bye. Mm-hmm.